2020, it's the same old Saints. Those same old, really good, really explosive New Orleans Saints. And welcome in to another episode here of Fantasy Football in 15 at the Athletic. Happy Friday weekend right here on the horizon. I am your host, Michael Beller, joined by Derek Van Riper. DVR getting very close now to the end of this series. This is team number 30. How you doing today? Doing great. Looking forward to finishing out this series. we got a great team to talk about today, a very fantasy-friendly New Orleans Saints team. Yeah, they've been fantasy-friendly for quite a while. Have a feeling that is not going to change so long as Drew Brees and Sean Payton are there. To talk Saints, we bring on our Saints beat writer, Kat Terrell. Kat, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. How are y'all doing? We are also doing great. Like we said, this is uh, team number 30. So Derek and I have been uh, putting in a lot of work talking to uh, all of your counterparts across the country covering NFL beats for us. And uh, this is... A fun one. Uh, we know that this Saints team always is going to be fun from real life perspective, from a fantasy perspective, and very uh, a lot of continuity with this team, right? Sean Payton, Pete Carmichael, Drew Brees, Alvin Kamara, Michael Thomas, Latavius Murray, Jared Cook, almost the entire line, uh, basically everything we saw last year and in some cases that we've seen for a number of years in New Orleans right back there. Uh, is this just the same old, very, very good New Orleans Saints team this year? I see no reason why it shouldn't be. I mean, then you add in Emmanuel Sanders and you've got uh, really the makings. I say the makings. We know what the Saints offense is, but the makings of another great Saints offense. If they can just get one more good year out of Drew Brees and a year where he doesn't get hurt, I think you know they should be Super Bowl contenders. And obviously people looking to do their fantasy draft should look at some of these Saints players. Just take what Michael Thomas did last year. Uh, definitely a team that it can't be ignored when when you're looking at potential fantasy outcomes this year. Yeah, I mean, Michael Thomas, you just mentioned him, video game numbers last year, 149 Absolutely. catches on 185 targets. His catch rate is just ridiculous, 1,725 yards, nine touchdowns. He actually could have done more damage from a fantasy perspective if Drew Brees had been healthy all season. Is there any thought, though, that with Emmanuel Sanders now there, a better number two receiver in this offense, that the target volume could slip just a little bit for Michael Thomas this year? Well, theoretically speaking, you would think that's exactly what would happen and what the coaches would want to happen. But Michael Thomas is an interesting guy, and I could see him thinking to himself, I don't want any targets taken away from me just because he works so hard and he's so competitive. So it'll be interesting, but yes, I mean, in theory, you definitely should see his volume slide a little bit, but I mean, he had an absurd number of passes coming his way. I think the next receiver in catches or maybe in yards was like fourth on the team. They just didn't have a number two. I think it went like Michael Thomas and then maybe um, Kamara was second or Cook was second in yards. So, I mean, that tells you something. It was all the way down to Ted Ginn when you had to look for the next receiver that actually did anything of note. So they definitely needed a number two. And, I mean, that really should just help Thomas. Then teams can't focus just on him anymore. So it's not a bad thing, but you might not see quite the absurd number of catches this year, but but who knows with him. 
Yeah, fantasy owners certainly love the 185 targets, a 33.1% target share for Michael Thomas last season. That was by far number one in the NFL. DeAndre Hopkins in what turned out to be his last year with the Texans came in second last year at 29.2%, four full percentage points behind Michael Thomas. Uh, since we're on the wide receivers, let's talk about the new guy in town. Emmanuel Sanders uh, was very effective after the midseason trade to San Francisco last year. Another guy like quite a few guys on this team starting to get up there in age, but still does what he does. What sort of role expectation does he have for the team this season? You know, there's always that fear that suddenly there will be a drop-off. But I think the Saints' philosophy was if you can't beat them, join them, because he just absolutely killed them when they played in the fall. I think he had two touchdowns, and I can't remember the yards, but it was very high. So I, I think they're just like, we have to have this guy. I mean, so I think he's a great compliment to Michael Thomas. And as I've been talking to some of the Saints coaches, they say, you know, how do you account for Sanders and Thomas? And then all of a sudden you leave Jared Cook alone and, and he's going to do some great stuff too. So, I mean, he's absolutely their number two receiver. There's no dispute about that. Who ends up in number three is maybe a little more in question, but I think he's going to be a good compliment and he's going to get, he's going to have a big role in this offense. I think that's what they're planning for. And just thinking about this offense, Drew Brees, still one of the best quarterbacks in the league. He is 41 now. They brought in Jameis Winston to replace Teddy Bridgewater as the backup. Where do you think the Saints are most concerned with Brees' age showing up? Is it the elevated injury risk, maybe a reduced ability to take those shots downfield? Like, What do you think the biggest limitation is with Brees in his current state? I think the biggest question with people that watch him or, or with fans is, is his arm strength declining. And he definitely doesn't take the same amount of shots downfield as he used to. And also the Saints didn't really have someone reliable that could catch passes downfield. I mean, they had Ted Ginn, but um, he just, for whatever reason, the connection just wasn't there between him or any of the quarterbacks. Obviously, sometimes they would take downfield shots and he couldn't catch it. Uh, so that's the number one concern for people on the outside looking in. But from people I've talked to, and Mickey Loomis being one of them, they always say it's the legs that go first. So really their biggest concern would be keeping Breeze upright and not injured. It's why they spent a long time trying to fix their offensive line and not have what happened against the Rams in week two happen this time around when he injured his thumb. So it's really just about stamina. Can he make it through the season? Can he make it through the season uninjured? And when the playoffs come, can he look like the Drew Breeze of December and not how he's looked in January recently? We definitely saw that emphasis on the line in the first round this year with that pick used uh, from uh, Michigan center Cesar Ruiz. Uh, let's get into the backfield now. Alvin Kamara obviously had a great statistical season, but almost felt like uh, a, sort of a sneakily lost season for him. Obviously, early in the year, Drew Brees hurts his thumb, and Teddy Bridgewater did a great job filling in, but the offense didn't have quite the ceiling with Bridgewater that it does with Brees. Then Brees comes back, and Kamara sprains his ankle, uh, played a lot of the season after that at less than 100%, but still 1,330 yards from scrimmage, 81 catches for the third straight year, literally on the dot, 81 for the third straight year, six total touchdowns. We know what Kamara's going to do when he's out there and healthy, probably 190-ish, 200-ish carries and 100-ish targets. But the Saints are a team that has fallen just short of getting to the Super Bowl now for three years in a row, a team that has felt like it should be in the Super Bowl or certainly could be in the Super Bowl. And just like they need a 100% Breeze in January, they need a 100% Kamara to get there. Does that threaten his touch volume at all during the regular season? I think Kamara was 
an interesting case this year because on the face, his stats look fine. You would look at him, as you said, 81 catches, uh, nothing unusual. But then you look at his touchdowns, and he's a guy that you know people are used to seeing score a lot of touchdowns. He didn't score a touchdown for, I think it's six or seven weeks. I, I don't know. It was a really long time, which was weird for him. So that was kind of odd, and I think if he's healthy, that's not going to happen again this year. I think he'll get in the end zone a lot. However, you do always have to account for the Saints spread the ball around. I think also what happened with him getting hurt is the Saints went into the season saying, yeah, you know, he can be our lead back, and he wanted to be and thought that he could be, but maybe there was too much volume on him, and they needed to use Murray a little more. And once Murray kind of got going, you saw this when Kamara was hurt, he was really effective. I mean, Murray's a great running back. So maybe they'll try to trend more to how the uh, they use Kamara and, and Ingram, but, I mean, that's not always possible. But, yes, I think ideally they would like to maybe just not put so much on his shoulders and, and keep him healthy. I, so, yes, I would – long-winded answer, but, yes, I would say that's a possible concern. Yeah, Latavius Murray ended up with 146 carries last year. They weren't really spread out evenly. I mean, he had 48 just between the matchups against the Bears and the Cardinals near the middle of the season. Uh, But if you give Murray 10 touches a game, that does seem to put a a limit on just how much Kamara can do. I think the key here is also the goal line role, at least for fantasy purposes. Do you see Murray as the preferred option at the goal line, or do you think Sean Payton in this offense... Uh, mix and match personnel effectively enough where there isn't really a clearly defined goal line back on this team. I don't think there is a clear goal line back. And I think that's always been the one concern about the saints. If you're looking at it from a fantasy perspective is all of a sudden, I mean, that didn't happen last year, but all of a sudden Drew Brees can throw a touchdown to some guy you've never even heard of. And (laughs) then you're just thinking, who is this guy? And that happens a lot. They spread the ball around. I mean, Michael Thomas having that many catches is, just so odd for how this team has operated in the past, just because Sean Payton loves to tinker with matchups and and figure out how to exploit a defense's weaknesses. He's great at that. So they definitely don't go in thinking, Hey, this is the guy at the goal line. It really could be anybody. It could be a running back. You've never heard of, but um, he definitely likes to change that up. Yeah. I'm definitely looking forward to the first uh, Mike Burton, one yard rushing touchdown this season. (laughs) You just know, you know, it's coming. At some point, and all the Alvin Kamara fantasy owners out there throw the remote at the TV when they see that one. Um, Hey, let's talk about Jared Cook for a second here, because uh, last year, nine touchdowns. And again, another guy like you're talking about with Alvin Kamara and the end of year stats, uh, you look at him and you don't necessarily remember exactly what the context was. And you say, yeah, sure, that makes sense. Jared Cook, uh, dangerous receiver, good offense, nine touchdowns, no real threat behind Michael Thomas. Sure, that adds up. But then you look a little bit farther into it, and you see that just three of those touchdowns came from inside the 10-yard line. Five of them from at least 20 yards out had that one long 61-yarder, but uh, did more damage from deep than we would typically expect to see from you know any tight end, and especially one who's not named Travis Kelsey or George Kittle. Is that an anomaly, or is that a feature of the team's offense? I mean, I think that's a feature of the team's offense, but I think also what you have to know about Cook is you can't look solely at the stats with him. You would have to see how he performed the whole year. I mean, he was hurt in training camp, and then Breeze got hurt. So there was just no chemistry established between the two for weeks and weeks and weeks. So that's why it wasn't until the middle of the season that all of a sudden we saw the Jared Cook that the Saints saw when they signed him. Now, if they could continue that momentum into next year, he's going to be – 
real hard to stop. I, I don't care how old he is or if you're worried about the tight end decline. I mean, I saw it. I saw how he was getting better in that offense all the time. And I, I definitely think that's something to, to think about when, when you're considering uh, what he could do with them. He just They just needed that time together, and they just didn't get it because of all the weird circumstances surrounding the first half of the season. If there's one player that we're not talking about right now that will be on our radars in November or December, who is it going to be? Could it finally be the the breakout that the fantasy community has been hoping for from Traquan Smith, or is there there's somebody else in this depth chart that catches your eye? I find it interesting that in talking to the assistant coaches this summer, they all mentioned Traquan Smith unprompted. So that tells me they're really confident in him. But, you know, we've been saying that all, for a long time. And he was hurt last year, but anyone could really use that excuse. So I guess I would tentatively say Traquan Smith. I mean, part of me, of course, wants to say Deontay Harris, who is um, all-pro kick returner as an undrafted rookie. But I just don't know how much they're – going to incorporate him into this offense they want to they say they will but when you're kind of at the bottom of the pecking order through no fault of his own he just has they have so many good uh pass catchers it's hard to find that many plays that are actually designed for him with that play uh, against the vikings aside where Taysom hill threw him that long pass that should have been a touchdown but it wasn't a uh wasn't the best ball thrown but um it is an example of what Deontay Harris can do when he turns on the burners. I just don't think it would be a guy that week in, week out, you could actually rely on unless you're going for that uh, kick return touchdown hope. But So uh, Traquan Smith is probably the name I would say again. So let's see what happens in year three. <laughs> One more question before we let you go here. You know, obviously in the fantasy world and on this entire State of the Team series on this show, we've been focused, of course, on 2020. But one of the more interesting acquisitions of this offseason was the Saints bringing in Jameis Winston to back up Drew Brees this season. Obviously, Brees, as we've already discussed, 41 years old. Does this team consider Jameis Winston the heir apparent to Brees? That's a great question because the team has talked up Taysom Hill so much this offseason yes. and recently gave him an extension. <laughs> Talked him up so much, you almost want to say, um, is there like an ulterior motive to him being <laughs> out in the media so much? <laughs> I think Sean Payton, as much as I truly do believe he loves Taysom Hill, I do think they believe in him, but I also think they're not blinded by it. Taysom Hill will be 31 if Breeze were to retire at the end of the season. 31 going into the season. There's only been two quarterbacks that made their – First start over 30, um, and neither one really had a great career. So, it, I mean, it, it, he would be the anomaly of all anomalies if he had success, and maybe he will. But I say that because I think they just want to have Jameis Winston as a fallback plan. They think for the price, Jameis is a good guy to come in and learn under Breeze. Uh, they really think that they can fix his problems. I know every team thinks that, but – hey, again, Sean Payton and Drew Brees can do a lot with a little, and I'm not saying that specifically about him. So it'll be a competition, I think. I don't think uh, either Hill or Winston has that heir apparent to Brees position sewed up, and hey, you know, maybe Brees doesn't retire after the season. Who knows? So um, it'll be something to watch. But yeah, I definitely couldn't say definitively either way at this point. 
shiny new thing always gets a lot of attention in the fantasy world, but a lot of times continuity can be fun as well. The New Orleans Saints proving that yet again, or we expect them to prove that yet again here in 2020. That is our Saints beat writer, Kat Terrell. Kat, thanks again for joining us. Thanks for having me. Uh, you can follow Kat on Twitter at Cat with a K underscore Terrell, T-E-R-R-E-L-L. And be sure to check out our New Orleans sports podcast here at The Athletic dunk and holder uh, that's going to do it for this episode of fantasy football in 15 please do rate review and subscribe to the show if you are out there in the free universe and if you are out there in that free universe come check us out at the athletic get a free 30-day trial at theathletic.com slash football in 15 for Derek van riper and cat terrell i'm michael beller fantasy football in 15 we'll be back with you next week our last two state of the team series until then have a good weekend